Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of ESSR Feature here on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet Podcasting Network. I'm your host this week, Stephen Wilson, and we are going to be delving into a topic this week. Uh, that's now a bit more redundant than it probably was when we originally put this uh, schedule together as we are going to be talking about the battle that kind of took place over the last uh, 18 or so months as 18 months it's felt like a decade because of the blooming pandemic uh, we're going to be talking about AAW versus NXT it's still a conversation that's kind of got still a bit of relevance as they're both kind of similar products in some way in some eyes even though they're no longer uh, showing on the same night in America, so uh, we're going to be delving into. Them. We're going to be talking a bit more about, you know, things about the match quality in terms of the wrestlers that they've got on there, the rosters, you know, how they built the pay per views. We're just going to talk about how well they both them do. I mean, often it's just settled in America by ratings, but we're going to delve into a bit more. Uh, but before we get uh, started on that, I'll give you the usual bit of housekeeping. You can. Find us on all good podcasting platforms, Spotify, iTunes, anything else, you know, just search for us, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Uh, you can also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Suplex Retweet. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube, got loads of content on there, uh, Quiz Showdown, Book It Tournament, loads of stuff on that particular platform. And we've also got a U brand spanking website, I say U, it's the same website with the old domain, uh, U domain. I'm not going to make it sound like this whole big brand spanking thing. It's eatsleepsuplexretweet.com. You can find loads of content on there. Uh, now I'm going to be introducing my panel for this particular show. I've kind of got a bit of a mix in terms of uh, the way people watch uh, what products they're watching at the moment. So this is quite uh, good in terms of that. Uh, first off, this person seems to be more swayed on the AEW side of things at the moment not just because Christian Cage has signed for that company, uh, although that's probably a particular reason uh, I'm still a bit annoyed at her as I feel she screwed me out of a point on the latest edition of Quiz Showdown it is of course Sarah Grieve Christian had nothing to do with it, I was a big fan of AEW before the you know instant classic decided that he was going to jump ship and go to where he is appreciated more and you were not screwed out of a point. It always a point for effort. I believe I put on a fantastic effort singing Judas by Chris Jericho and Fozzie. Yeah, it, right. See, if you'd made an effort to try and sing a Disney song, I might have given you it. But because you chose to to defy me, Stephen, to defy me, you didn't get a point. Listen, go, go on to YouTube, listen to it. Sarah was very vague. She said, yeah, I'll give you a point for effort. So I thought, bugger it, I'll sing the first song that comes in my head. It should have been a Disney song, to be fair, because we were doing a Disney theme round of quizzes, but... Exactly! I actually just think Be Our Guest from Beauty and the Beast. Like, the well, the best-known song from that soundtrack. Even if you did sing the song, you probably would have butchered it. I butchered every song, I don't really... He would have got a point for effort. <laughs> butchered every song, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, you, you ruined Journey Don't Stop Believing. Like, I could never listen to that song again. I really had to know that. Uh, yes, uh, he's here. He's got some opinions, you know, clearly, about my choice of music, my choice of singing, sorry, but uh, through him, the Undisputed Era's not a thing anymore. Uh, David Hockney, everybody. Uh, shot for shot, eh? But I never said, I never complained about your choice of song, I'm complaining about your singing, okay? Like, just, you cannot sing for shit. 
<laughs> Hold on to that feeling, Dave, over the rest of the show. You know, it's going to be great. You know, street lights and all that crap. Uh, uh, rounding off my panel, I kind of take him as a bit more of the middleman in terms of these shows. He was big at the NXT during the day. Really into the AEW product right now, right now until 10 minutes before we come on here. He thought he was going to have to talk about Raw. So he'll be pleased that it's NXT. <laughs> it's, it's Strack, everybody. Right, a few things. I feel like I've got to cut a promo here. Sarah, I've never seen Beauty and the Beast. Never. <laughs> never seen that. So if someone Hold on, let me, me turn, let me turn parts the inside out. Never. Never seen it. <laughs> Wilson, you want to talk about losing points? How you miraculously beat me at the Book It tournament when I had a fucking display graph, matches booked, theme music set up, uh. and you had a piece of paper, <laughs> you still fucked up, and won. So, if you want to see a new version of the Montreal Screwjob, go to YouTube and watch Book It. <laughs> you really you must have been really folks, you can't sing worth a shit and you can't dance worth a shit either so <laughs> yeah like I a, second I'm like, that I'm like a dad dancing you can't talk about people dancing Hockney <laughs> uh, I could I could do the shuffle well, Hockney you danced on an empty dance floor at 10 o'clock in the garage when there was no <laughs> cut else in there <laughs> you see to me what do oh, we dear. do I says we get a couple of drinks and we go on a dance floor I turn around 10 seconds later, you're on the dance floor, we're drinking hand, and nobody else on the dance floor. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is why he's known as the most savage man in podcasting. No one, uh, I mean, yeah, well, you that technically... Kind of you would put the guy a fucking Maroon 5, so that kind of bailed you a couple of things. <laughs> I mean, before we move on to the actual topic, he did have two drinks. He had two drinks there, so technically he's had a couple of drinks and dance floor. <laughs> 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 it was an empty dance floor. There was nobody else there. <laughs> There's been people in the toilet that there wasn't a dance floor. <laughs> Anywho, before this becomes ESSR after dark, oh jeez, these things tend to descend into that. Let's delve into the topic, and we're going to be talking about uh, AEW versus NXT. As I said when we kicked off the show, when we did originally do this schedule, the two of these shows were still competing on a Wednesday night. But now that's no longer a thing. But it's still worth definitely having a. A discussion about it. Uh, we're going to talk about a few various aspects of the two products. Uh, one thing I'm going to start off with in terms of in, in, everything is the match quality that we kind of see on both various programs. Uh, Sarah, I will start, start with you on this particular one uh, and we'll talk about the, the NXT side of things. Uh, obviously, NXT bit different from anything else you really see in the WWE product in terms of there's more wrestling to start with you know which obviously made that the product that everybody loved as well with the NXT yeah the the product on NXT when you when like see when you were just saying that it's like it's different I was just like yeah it's better just simple as um but like unfortunately I haven't been watching as much NXT lately as I would like to um Mainly because I don't have BT Sport and I can't watch it <laughs> unless I download it. Um, but no, when you're looking at like the match qualities, like just by going like with the pay per view matches, it has been like dead impressive. Like you, you feel like you get more for what you pay for with NXT. Whereas like if you were 
to diverge that into the main roster, you're sitting going, I paid $9.99 a month for this, whereas I would happily pay $9.99 a month for just NXT pay-per-views. Happily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that was actually a good point that I made there. It was kind of like the NXT product with a wrestling style was kind of a big draw to a lot of people in terms of the WWE Network when it first launched. Aye, I mean, the thing that made NXT a feeling when it first started was you had guys like Finn Balor, Neville, um, you had a lot of guys whose style wasn't WWE, it wasn't six foot one guys just clotheslining each other, a couple of elbows, a couple of gut shots, and then a finish. In my opinion, the more of them were shit. But you had a lot of uh, people knew for the indie guys, but indie matches, people slagged them, but they were they're made entertaining, far more entertaining. There's matches that they can do on NXT that sometimes only last 20 minutes, maybe 15 minutes, and they're made entertaining than some of the matches that go half an hour, 35 minutes on the WWE pay per views. Because mm-hmm. it's mere structured it's better storytelling and the guys that do the stuff there's more variety through it so there's something kind of for everybody you've got submission guys heavy strikers nakamura joe you've got the five flyers neville Balor. you had the the brawlers owens you had the guys who are spot monkeys sammy Zayn. so you had so many so many different talents all mixing together so that's what made it appealing mm-hmm. yeah and uh, dave it's quite interesting i mean Daniel Bryan recently said in an interview that, you know, there's a lot of guys on WWE's roster who, you know, can wrestle, but they don't wrestle as much because that product on Raw and SmackDown is less catered to that particular type of style. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of what we don't... It seems like at NXT they kind of get the, you know, the, there's no strings attached type aspect of it. They're just kind of told to go out there and do as they please, which you don't often think you see with the main roster product, especially Raw. I mean, I'm going mm-hmm. to get SmackDown a bit excited because I quite like SmackDown recently, but mm-hmm. it was a bit tough. Yeah, SmackDown's been great as of late, but obviously, um, I think what helped with NXT in its earlier days, you know, around its 2012 revamp, is that they were sort of filming it in chunks and they were sort of releasing episodes on a week-by-week basis, even though most of it was was filmed in a couple of nights. So that, and that's the format that works with NXT UK at the minute, so you don't get all the talent competing week in and week out. And I think that's what helps not only improve talent morale, but it also improves match quality at the same time, because they get a bit more time in between tapings to, you know, work on their work on their match quality, you know, hone their craft. And that's what sort of made NXT sort of the more, you know, sports-based presentation brand, you know, something that was uh, focused purely on the, the in-running action and the much more grounded storylines. And I've always said this about NXT, you know, less is more when it comes to them. Just give two guys who are excellent at what they do and sort of give them a reason to go up against each other and just let the much more intimate and crowd enjoy it and get involved with it as much as they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, Look, I something there. Just, uh, I've always said that. I agree with Dave 100%. I have said that the matches for Raw and SmackDown, obviously post-COVID, the reason why I don't think there's entertaining is because these guys are doing house shows, mm-hmm. pay-per-views, then they're doing Raw and SmackDown. The guys are beat up the shit. You look at the guys who used to do great matches back in the day. They'll wrestle for five years and their bodies were destroyed. But as I think, as Dave says, see if the schedule was less hectic, I think Raw and SmackDown would be better. Because the guys in NXT, they're not getting ran through all this badly. So they're not as beat up and they go, well, I can do that in this match and I can do this in this match because 
my knees no blew out, my shoulders no dislocated, I've not had three concussions this weekend. So I, mm-hmm. I, I, that's, I actually agree with Dave, that's a mm-hmm. massive thing I've always said. You get- you can see how it's changed, you know, when you know you get people moving from NXT to the main roster as well. Like they're often reduced to sort of tag team action. In case in point, like Shayna Baszler, who is the sole dominant female performer in NXT around 2019, but now she's working a much lighter schedule. You know, she's you know sort of getting the the weight sort of lifted off her shoulders a bit with tag team action because you know she's going to be competing more regularly on a week by week basis, and it's not the same for when NXT was in its earlier days. Look at Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens was really innovative with moves and stuff like that and see since main roster he's kind of the biggest thing he does is like he's cannonball in the corner that's it and what mm-hmm. happened what happened to the guy that was flinging Sami Zayn about what happened to the guy that was kicking he's, the shit in Balor Where, where's he's, he he's now still um, kicking shit out of Sami Zayn what's Sami Zayn doing he's not doing it either he's joined Q He's joined QAnon now. (laughs) Ah, jeez. But I'll flip on to the other side of things on AEW, uh, Sarah. And I think uh, Strack mentioned a lot of things about the early days of NXT, where you had the likes of uh, Balor, Neville, and that type of thing. And obviously there was a big part of NXT in that early days was the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. (laughs) He was obviously credited as a big part of what NXT started and what NXT's become. And obviously in AEW, there's a big connection to the American Dream. Dusty Rhodes <laughs> played a very prominent part in that company in the form of his son Cody. Do you think the fact that these two companies have such a figurehead that are so closely linked is why they're probably very similar in terms of what they offer? I mean, I would say that they offer too much similarity between the two brands, but I can see where the connection could be made. Um, because obviously Cody grew up in the industry. Like, there's no two ways about it. He, he literally grew up in the industry. Um, and his dad was a really big influence for a lot of things. So yeah, he's going to have the same mindset. Um, and he probably um, actually worked and saw what sort of what his dad was doing in NXT at the time, because he hadn't fully left the company. Um, and obviously, even when he did, and it was still going on, um, he would have still known. It's the same with Dustin, so I think like there is like the connection there. But when it comes to like TV match quality with AEW, it is extremely similar to NXT in the fact that they don't do house shows. Like they'll do tours around the country to do a show, but it won't be to the extreme of what Raw and SmackDown is. Because you'll have the dark match, and then you'll have dynamite or you'll have the actual pay-per-view um, so it's it's a lot easier to bring a bigger match quality especially if your guys are only travelling once a week to get down to Jacksonville it's even once a fortnight now I think isn't it because I think they're recording two weeks worth of content on the one night at the moment because of the COVID stuff just sort of got you know a bit of bulk because it kind of covers the quarantine period in case anything gets done in as well so going to Jacksonville friend. once yeah it does they seem done. a lot more edited these days. I mean, best friends, they've done three matches in 24 hours. <sighs> Mad. Oh, yeah, but... like, we've got a week half. <laughs> oh, they rattled through that. That was very early in the COVID stuff, wasn't it? That was last year mm. or something like that was. You mm-hmm. know, but that was something else, you know. Imagine they did three matches and one of them was that parking lot brawl with the proud and powerful. <laughs> be absolutely buffed. 
done it because it's it's see the adrenaline's pumping through you. You don't feel the pain because see, I, I did. I, I've obviously I've wrestled and see you do a show on the Friday. See you got a show on the Saturday. You are in fucking agony. You are in, your body's killing you. Even if you've not done a a, heart, a heavy match, and then the next night you have to go back in and do it again, and you're like, ah, my knee's killing me, my back, my neck's fucked with bumping. But you your lap, you need it again. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that some of the guys you need to kind of give them a bit of respect for. Uh, yeah. uh, and then AW was like, you know, right at the start of the pandemic as well. They were they taped about six weeks of episodes uh, before last year's. I think it was Double or Nothing, where they were. They spent about six weeks at a wrestling school in Georgia, and then it was only until early May when live events were allowed to resume. That's when they moved to, to Daly's place. So uh, it's the the taping of episodes definitely is a is a contributing factor to you know match quality on both sides. And uh, Strack, one thing we've kind of we're not here to bash Raw, but Raw's the easy target. So I'm going to use Raw. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like punching somebody in the dark. It's a victimless crime. you watch Raw and it's like right it's three hours which is the problem but again I'm not here to criticise the Raw three hours even though it needs to be two but you watch Raw quite a lot of the time and it's very much you're about 40 minutes in and nobody's you know did a drop kick yeah but sometimes you feel like you watch AEW and the show kicks off and the guys are in the ring and they're going to kick off in British so the rest of for half an hour and then you're maybe going to get about five or four or five other matches at the show so it's kind of that I think that wrestling first aspect is quite refreshing because if I, a lot of ma- some, some great memories I've had of watching some WWE stuff they've had a lot of matches very early on in their card I mean one show in particular was the night that Neville challenges Rollins for the world title which pretty much kicked off that show and it's one of the best roles I think I've remembered in the past 10 years. So having that aspect of it is very good for the demographic they're trying to please. Sorry, what was your question? You didn't, you didn't ask me a question, you just told me about something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the rest, the wrestling first aspect of it. It's Aye. probably what helps to please, please the demographic that they're trying to get. Aye, like, if you, I, I, that's how much I little up eventually the actual WWE. Raw is three hours now. Oh, it's been three hours for a while, yeah. For about ten years, it's been three hours nearly. Has it? Yep. Wow. 2012. You see, see, the thing is, it doesn't matter how good it is. See, Game of Thrones is three hours, you've got to sit three hours and watch that. No. (laughs) Fuck that. Even Justice League, Snack Snyder Cut was four hours, and that was brilliant, but that was still a a gauntlet. Why would you watch... What? (sighs) Right. WrestleMania 14, I keep saying, is one of the best WrestleManias ever. That's about three years. And they had umpteen mm-hmm. matches and very little promos. So what the fuck are Raw doing? <laughs> Unless they're having a mat they're having matches that are only lasting maybe twelve minutes. You're having what? How many matches are on Raw now? Between that three years? Four, Four five, five maybe? What's the rest? Promos. Promos. It's a lot of promo. Jesus fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I don't know how you guys watch that. I really don't know how how you do. We don't. I, I, I'm starting to look like Jesus here. YouTube highlights on WWE's uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, we just watch the highlights. I go on Instagram. I, I go on Instagram before I go to work in the morning. That's like ten minutes. Fuck three hours. I, I, oh, that's giving me a sad arse just thinking about it. <laughs> I'm not bashing WWE, but 
no, that there's no way. Even when AEW went to tours, I went, hmm. I used to like it when it was an hour because the women would fall asleep and I could watch the full show and she'd wake up and I'd be like, hiya, and I'd watch it in peace. Are you, you talking about Dark, by chance? Or are you dark talking about... Now? That's a before us. Dark is a yeah. long watch. I think a, a Dark, I'm pretty sure I just fucking skimmed through and like that. Fast forward, push, don't need that. Don't know who he Sarah, is. Sarah, do you still watch that? Do you still watch that? Uh, every now and again, um, it's it's more the fact that like uh, me and Daniel just sort of we highlight on watching AW and Impact every week like that. So the two that will go out of our way to watch, but that's because AW obviously we have um, fight uh, and no, with Impact we have the Impact Plus app and the Impact for like an hour. Um, so if we like if we were to watch every single day of the week, it would be way too much. So. That's why, like, we focus because we we like what's going on there. So that's why we primarily focus on those two. Mm. Also, the fact it's really, really easy to access it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if you look at, I we spent about a good five minutes there bashing Ross. So I'm gonna maybe try and flip and do a bit kind of kind of productive. I'm gonna go to Dave on this one because I know mm-hmm. Dave's not as a uh, Dave's more of the WWE Mark of the panel on this particular one. I was gonna uh, say you calling him the... more productive than us. No, I definitely prefer NXT over Raw. Well, maybe not SmackDown, but definitely Raw. So, but yeah, more NXT. If you look at, uh, we've mentioned there kind of NXT Dynamite, very wrestle heavy shows, which kind of helps. But in terms of NXT, Dave, I think one of the differences between that and Dynamite is you watch sometimes AEW's content like that, and you feel like you maybe need to follow about three other different shows at times to figure out what's maybe going on. Well, mm-hmm. I think NXT is a bit more streamlined, which in a way, kind of helps it to some degree. Yeah, like I said, NXT is a lot more sort of ground-based when it comes to storylines and wrestling. You know, less is more, simplicity is key, and, you know, Triple H has, you know, his uh, his direction is working brilliantly for them. I mean, not to say NXT is without flaw, because, you know, there are definitely some aspects that it could, it could work on. But the, the benefit of NXT is you don't have to rely on, you know, watching Raw or SmackDown, you know, because NXT is sort of its own, its own little world and not the biggest of rosters either. And I think that's what lets AEW down a bit. It's because it's sort of taken on the helm of acting as, you know, it's one company with one key promotion, with one key brand spread across about four different shows and it accumulates about eight hours of TV a week. That's a lot of ground to cover for... Well, what is a, a really, really good wrestling show? There's just too much to try and absorb. Whereas NXT feels a lot more personal. It's like, this is our, our one show. We're going to put all our attention on, on the branding here. Our roster is going to be, all our roster is going to be performing there. Then we'll rotate it. And we're going to have a much more intimate audience so that, you know, this is, it almost feels like there's a little bit of exclusivity about it. And I think that's why people want to sort of be a part of it so much. And I think that's where NXT has the edge over AEW in a lot of ways. Interesting. I would put that on Twitter, Dave. You may get a, a lot of very oh, dodgy listen, people coming back. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to be dealing with Twitter these days. It just seems to be a, just a, a a pool of hatred right now. Oh, I've really deleted all social media. I've deleted TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. I've deleted all social media. I'm only Facebook. Mm. Fuck that. I'll I mean, keep it, I keep I keep Instagram for my uh, well not so existent uh, travel adventures, but you know, when the, the pandemic ends, I'll be back straight on it. 
I've got my Instagram I mean, for Jotunheim for my business. Jotunheim.co.uk if anyone wants to look it up. I have a cheap plug there. Uh, <laughs> Strack, I'll throw back to you on that one. I mean, we'll get that the, the dynamite is a pretty... Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, Sarah's just put up her Twitter feed saying that I suck, apparently. So, um... Well, oh, you're so patron. I needed to do it. Back to the question to Strack. Um... Do you think some, I mean, obviously, we're all did not denying that Dynamite's a really good product, but uh, I can sometimes understand them maybe interacting with maybe dark and dark elevation, but do you feel that they maybe interact too much with being the elite and kind of rely too much on that to build storylines? That's a perfect question, Stephen, because that's the answer I was going to give you anyway, regardless of what you said you asked. Um, no, me and Ross spoke about this previously in one of the AEW shows. It is a bit annoying that they put stuff on being the elite and you don't but I see I love AEW not because it's new or it's to be a mark or fucking annoy WWE or anything like that it's just refreshing and it's new and it's entertaining and it's more my style but I don't always watch being the elite I think the one being the elite I seen before AEW started was the Kenny Omega dick pic nah. and that was like I, two years before AEW even started and then I've started mm-hmm. to watch a couple of AEWs because one of the boys are much like oh it's quite funny that he's done this he's done this so watch the occasional one but when something pops up and you're like ah, I, I don't know what that is and my mate in work will say oh it was on being elite he done this and I'm like, I did not know that and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to watch 25 minutes of being elite to find out what the fuck happened so I'm like ah, well well I'm pretty sure you'll see the promo when the, the pay-per-view starts. The one that annoyed me, I mean, some of the stuff they do is quite just cheap, you know, funny stuff. I mean, Sarah will tell you that. She's a big Dark Order fan. Everybody knows that. Uh, but I really did not like the time where, was it Hangman Page leaves the Elite on being the Elite? And it's just kind of, he shows up on Dynamite quite casually, just doing his own thing. It's like, you could have had him leave them on Dynamite. And have yeah, really. They get like what, yeah, close to a million viewers like every week. You know why? Then it's a much bigger audience than you get on YouTube. See, with being the elite though, this is the thing. It's a comedy sketch show that is just something that the young bucks like to do when they're backstage. They may have a couple of things that might end up being involved on Dynamite, but I don't think that's the actual goal of it. Um, I know, like having Hangman leave um, the elite technically on being the elite but it was a current storyline on dynamite at that particular time it's just for it just so happened that they did it on that um so i, th- I think for saying that they rely on being the elite a little bit for their storylines is a little bit too much of a judgment um because like it, they do split it over shows like i will admit they'll say right okay for, for example, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky becoming a tag team. That happened on Dark Elevation. But it, they, they explain it. Like, see when like, they do showing them in the crowd or saying like they're attacking them. We knew that Scorpio Sky was turning heel anyway. Like, we knew that from when he started like trying to beat up Darby Allen post-match and using heel tactics to beat him. Um, but it just so happened that they two came together on dark elevation but they still explain it in a way like i think that's 
the good part where Tony Schiavone so, obviously being on it works, but mm-hmm. Excalibur does his homework. And this is where the commentary becomes a big part. And this is where I think JR lets them down because he refuses to acknowledge it. Unless, yeah. unless you're Jake Hager, That's, he will not acknowledge you. I don't know. I, I don't want to talk about Jake Hager. Okay? I'm, 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 you're going to have to. I'm veering into criticism, but I don't want to veer into criticism thing. I thought... Maybe I was maybe being a bit harsh on being the elite, but because I really like when Macchietto was dancing with the Dark Order. I thought it was amazing. Exactly. What's happening? Like, so funny things, and that's how Macchietto Johnny Hangi was... got. That's how he got his fame is like being the funny member of the Dark Order. Johnny Hangi. I really wish Macchietto was stuck around. John Silver is the the gift from being the elite is John Silver. Oh, yes. Fucking hilarious. Freaked me out when I realised he was like five foot three. I was like, how oh, yeah. is he so built? <laughs> but it looks so compact. <laughs> yeah, I googled it and I'm like, he's like five foot two. I mean, <laughs> wait, is that his actual height or is that his, is that his actual height or is that his build? No, he's, he's actual five foot three. He's a very small wow. man, but he he's is a very uh, small man. He's smaller than Rey Mysterio. It's the same height. Beat you up. He'd be able to lift you in your head. Do you oh, yeah. He's, What's her name? Leah Hinch? Leah, Leah Hish? Leah, Leah Hirsch. Yeah. Yeah. Leah Hirsch, yeah. Wow, she's like four foot eleven. Well, see, she's one that they they use dark and dark elevation quite smartly for because they did try her out on TV and maybe she didn't quite connect with that audience. So that's basically think of dark and dark elevation as new revamp of NXT of where they get people ready for cameras and get them ready for like the big matches on Dynamite and then get dry. And there's a lot of them that have actually been working their way up on dark and they're like right we'll give you a chance to obviously be on dynamite because not everyone's going to be on dynamite every week i mean you see john moxley kicking around on dark elevation and on dark you see jurassic express you see dark order you see everybody like even hangman page and kenny omega's had a match on dark elevation so it it just sort of helps in a way but it's like if you want to see it the stuff's there it just doesn't fully impact unless they do make a, a like a, a mention of it. Yeah, Straxena makes a good point there. I kind of compare it because AEW are doing that quite well with a lot of guys coming up through that type of, you know, they start them there and they kind of go and they'll eventually end up in Dynamite. I feel like NXT some points recently, in the last couple of years, it's more especially, aren't doing that as well because I kind of feel like you look at the likes of uh, Bronson Reed for example you feel like he's been there for about a year and a half two years and he's only just getting the kind of title picture Swerve Scott for example is a guy who could have is not really feel like he's moving up he's kind of plateauing at that level as well so do you think that's something maybe NXT could probably learn a bit more from AEW in terms of building up the kind of lower card into really big stars I think NXT are kind of a victim of their own success NXT was kind of a place where they I know that people like Nakamura, Joe, no developmental talent, but they went there first to kind of get used to it and then go up. But NXT was kind of meant to be the developmental where the guys get used to, like look Lars Sullivan. He'd done, obviously, post what the shit happened to him, but he'd done the normal crowd shows with um, NXT. And there was, how many people on the crowd for NXT? A few hundred, maybe. Nah, 300 not, at the very most it's not, it's not a lot so he's fine he was totally cool but then he put him in a live show in front of fucking all the people in Smackdown or Raw and the guy freaked out and Big Cass said he'd done the same a lot of guys a lot of guys in the wrestling say oh 
I hate them bingo halls. I'd love to do a Cowdy 18,000. It's like, would you? Because I guarantee you, when you walk out and you see all the people staring at you, your arse collapses. So, it's, I, I get what Sarah's saying. It's kind of a place to get the guys used to being in front of camera, used to what they look like, because then also look back at themselves and go, my gear could they be doing my tweeting? Because have, have you noticed that in wrestling, guys who come straight from Indies into AEW or come to NXT, their gear looks a bit iffy. And then mm-hmm. air time, it gets more polished, it gets more cleaner, it looks more professional because they're getting, oh, that doesn't look right. I don't suit kick pads. I'm maybe better with longer trunks. Shit like that. And you go, oh, right, I need, and oh, that doesn't look well on camera. Because there's moves that you do and you, you think, oh, I look like I knocked him the fuck out. And you, you do the move and watch it back and you go, I barely touched him. So I think I think that's probably what's good but it's as as well elevation. The guys are getting a look at themselves. Kinda of like a practice before hitting the, the big you know, the, the big show, but before going out there in front of the bigger audience and going, uh ah, I really fucked up here. Because it happened I mean it happened a lot of time with WCW. They'd bring in the event guys, bring them in front of a crowd and they would fuck up monumentally. Mm-hmm. Uh and Dave, a counter example maybe from the NXT side of things. Strick kind of mentioned uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Guy comes in from Japan, absolutely massive star, fantastic wrestler. But we've mentioned in past shows, the one we did on Nakamura, that maybe when his, his time at NXT didn't quite feel like he hit, you know, hit off the mark in terms of that one. Then he goes to SmackDown and he kind of flounders for a wee bit. Maybe because he was maybe not getting as regular maybe he's still accustomed to it but you look at maybe some of the guys who show up on the likes of Dark you know and Dark Elevation mm-hmm. to begin with uh, even Dynamite to an extent you know they're, they're indie guys you kind of know their mm-hmm. faces but it takes them a wee bit to adjust another a, a great example I'll give actually because I think he's amazing uh, Ricky Starks for example yeah. uh, you could have seen him he kicked about Dark for a while was on maybe a couple of you know opening matches on Dynamite now he's in with, gets in with Team Taz and this might, Strat might not like me saying this uh, I think he's better than Brian Cage in that particular stable so you think that's maybe something what do you, what's your thoughts on that Dave? Where do you live? <laughs> um, no you, you make a you make a good point about you know guys you know who are suited to a, a specific environment and then they sort of come in with this whirlwind of momentum but when push comes to shove it, they don't really sort of hit that point and i get that you know it comes down to you know maybe a change in environment in some cases you know this these world-renowned talents are having to move to another country entirely that's a huge adjustment on, on its own uh like in nakamura's case you know maybe language barrier might have been a thing at first but you know his english has gradually improved over time but if I'm going to focus on Nakamura specifically, I think what let him down was that he peaked right at the start. Like, because there was no way any other match in NXT was going to top that match with Sami Zayn uh, take over Dallas. So everybody knew sort of Shinsuke was on a massive high coming into NXT and they were expecting him to deliver that kind of quality week in, week out. But when it just wasn't happening, you know, I think maybe that's why people started to potentially sour on him a little bit. But you have to consider, you know, he's... He's not born and raised in America. He's not used to the WWE style. He's very much New Japan, which is a much more, you know, the strong style, hard-hitting promotion, whereas WWE is a lot more toned down, a lot more PG. So having to make all those changes in the space of such a short space of time, you're obviously not going to hit your stride uh, every time. 
And when you do slip up, it's quite difficult to bounce back from, especially when you're sort of so far in to this much bigger audience, whether it's in an arena or worldwide. And it could be attributed the same way, you know, with AEW, you know, you get a, a flurry of these independent talents who, you know, diehard independent wrestling fans will know exactly who they are and what they're capable of. But they sort of get put into a position where the rosters become so massive that they hardly get any proper screen time. And that goes doubly, you know, when they're performing in front of an audience that they're not usually accustomed to. So a lot of these factors together can actually harm both companies in a way. It's just a matter of, you know, sort of easing them into this this new world, this new dynamic. And that's where they'll learn how to sort of hone their craft in this new environment. Uh, See, so the thing is, though, is the product, when they do get out there, the guys that get out there regularly, even the guys that don't get out there regularly, they'll put on a lot of fantastic matches. I mean, one of the things that both these brands have done particularly well since they started, respectively, is uh, tag team wrestling. And I think pre-NXT, pre-Indie Boom, obviously pre-AEW, we were used to tag team wrestling being treated like absolute guff. But I think what we saw, particularly in that period of NXT between maybe about 2015 to 2018 or something, they had absolutely fantastic. And I kind of feel like they've just... Feels like they've kind of handed the baton to AEW in the last couple of years, going like, hey, "You take it, you deal with it, and we'll, you know, book the Forgotten Sons and that type of stuff." So forget about them, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, are you glad that they've, these two brands have given tag team wrestling the platform they deserve? Absolutely. I mean, when you when you look at it, like people from like Alan's point of view, he hates tag team wrestling. And I was the same, but it's only because you're subjected to actual ish when you're watching uh, Raw and SmackDown. You've either got like thrown together tag teams or tag teams that are no chemistry or tag teams that have fizzled out or they've been overexposed and you're like, I can't stand, I'm getting them off my screen. Um, kind of like Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler, no shade. I was just um, going to say that, I was just going to go, who's a new tag team? What's I'm glad, I'm glad you threw shade at them and not the Raw Tag Champions. Nobody gives grief to Omos in my pitch when I'm here. Yeah, don't be hating on Omos. I love big Omos. What a guy. I did not hate on Omos. But anyway, um, <laughs> so when it comes to especially AEW, like, I've said this time and time and time again that their tag division is probably the best in the world. Like, you've got the best of the independents. I mean, maybe push aside some of the tag teams that are in impact but now with that partnership we could possibly do it and it could possibly make me the happiest person in the world just just not the good brothers oh not the uh, good brothers i'm fed up with the good, good brothers, brothers. i meant good brothers are more impact than I, meant I mean oh, yeah, they i want yeah, the machine guns that. i want the machine guns in aw oh you know oh, machine you guns imagine? and exactly so like you've got that and then when you look at aw you've got the young bucks who are Obviously, what arguably one of the best tag teams in the entire world. You've got Jurassic Express, even through tag teams or by singles. Jungle Boy is going to be the face of that company. Hear me say it. I will stand and I will take that to my grave that Jungle Boy is the future of that company, right? And then you've got teams like FTR. Well, yeah, uh, you've got FTR. I mean, I'm, I mean, even Varsity Blondes, which yeah. they're Death not quite there yet, but they are great. Death Triangle, you've got 
Inner Circle, you obviously Santana and Ortiz. You've got so many and even best friends. I mean, H2. you've got best friends. Mm-hmm. Hybrid 2. Like, you've got... Well, she was never, never going to forget the Hybrid 2. I it's, actually kind of did. I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of them together. As much as you. they are a good team. Well, don't, don't. They might break up. They might break oh. up this week. Don't, don't say SCU. Don't jinx it. Please don't because they might break up. Right? If they lose this match at Blind Guts tonight, they are finished. And I will not be happy. Okay? So please don't. But you see what I mean? Like, you've got an abundance of tag teams. And you feel spoiled for choice. I mean, absolute spoil for choice, and it, it makes you happy. It's the same with NXT. I mean, yeah, they probably don't, they don't have nearly as much tag teams, but you've got like MSK, formerly known as the Rascals, who are former tag team champions in Impact, and now they're the current NXT ta- team champions. You've got Grizzle Jung veterans. You've got El Hilo del Fantasma, well, Legado del Fantasma. You've got now Tommaso Champ and Bloody Timothy Thatcher. Right, you've got tag teams just bursting at the seams and it makes you fall in love with tag team wrestling again. It actually makes you care because you've got all this talent and Undisputed Era do not count. They are not they're not here anymore, Dave. Let it go. I had to I had to deal with DIY broke up. You can assume we've got a support group, it's okay. <laughs> just just saying that we've got that yeah. support group. At least also Champa didn't look like he was on a like a retirement a retirement plot in Florida. You know, yeah, with you the big with the mean, hat and whatever the hell Kyle O'Reilly's dressed you, like. <laughs> I think you guys can agree that when it comes to NXT and AEW, it makes you fall in love with tag team wrestling and it makes you care. And not just men's tag team wrestling as well, like for NXT in particular, there's women's tag team wrestling now. Mm-hmm. And well, you, you did have the women's tag team tournament kicking around, which with all fairness, it introduced us to the friendship of Anna, Anna Jay and Ty Conte. Like, I mean, I it, it, it did do some benefit, but it didn't really go anywhere afterwards. See, see, no, see the hindsight. One half of those champions has fucked off because she's a bloody bitch. See, so, see in hindsight, you know, that tournament did. You said the only good thing that came from that tournament it was Anna Jay and Ty Conte, you know. <laughs> but if you look at it, I, I sat and watched that tournament going, anybody but Ali and Brandy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> with all fairness, like, You've got that, but again, like I said, they've got that agreement or sort of whatever with Impact, and they've now got knockout tag team champions back. And that at the moment is Jordan Grace and Rachel Ellering. You can't really disagree with the possibility of having, like, whenever Anna Jay comes back, her and Ty Conte taking on the knockout tag team champions. Oh, it needs to happen. Need to get them back in. Uh, we'll talk. Moving more on the NXT side again, though, Strack, it was kind of like, you mentioned earlier on, of course, that era of Zayn, Bala, you know, KO, you know, the, the kind of original era of NXT. But do you think that everybody talks about the whole women's evolution type stuff that helped propel it? Do you think maybe NXT probably wouldn't have got what it was today if it wasn't for that period of tag wrestling that they had for three or four years? See, this is the thing. I think um, NXT, the new, compared to what it used to be, they've really dropped the ball. They have got good teams, don't get me wrong. The MSK boys, I'd never seen them before um, Before they've done NXT. And I, 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 these guys are really good. Plus, I like the fact that their gear looks like X-Pac stuff. And being the old <laughs> fucker that I'm at, I'm like, ah, brilliant. But 
the NXT used to have they've still got they've still got good tag teams, but just not got as much. But I mean, they used to have guys like the Ascension, obviously undisputed era DIY. They had the Revival at one time. They had AOP. They had um, Sanity. They had there's a massive list of, of tag teams they had. Even when they put Alistair Black and Ricochet together, and they done the Viking Raiders. That, oh, that was, was a great match. That's amazing. But no. It seems like that we don't give a fuck about tag team wrestling for the, for Raw and SmackDown and Seaton doing in NXT, and I'm, that's how I'm let. Me and Sarah always said this on every every takeover show that we done. When they say, "Oh, the person most season they got to the main roster," are you looking forward to it? But like, no, we no, and they go, "Oh, if Nakamura drops the hell, he's gone up." I'm like, no, no. <laughs> it's like Billy. It's like Billy Madison. It's like, don't go home. Stay here. You stay as long as you can. I think um, I, I, I can recall that on our like NXT call up show, which you know, we used to do that. We used to absolutely do that because we're like, they're going to go up, they're going to get yeah, they're going to get they're going to get ruined. I mean, we can't expect that about Johnny Gargano because Johnny Gargano is going to be in NXT till he's on a Zimmer. I think if Johnny Gargano ever get tell to go to the main roster, he'd handcuff himself to the fucking ring. But what is it? Mind to Master Champa said if he ever gets moved to Raw or SmackDown, he might just call it quits. Oh yeah. I've said this numerous times. I says if I mm-hmm. ever went to NXT by some fucking miracle if I were back to wrestling, if I ever went to NXT and enjoyed it and they said, right, you're going to the main roster, I'd built that release me. I would just go out release me. Yeah, I don't know why I go to the main roster. Why? I'm five foot eight and I'm Never going to probably max it about 200 pounds. I'm just going to get shit kicked at me. I'm just going to get cannon foddered. So, nah, you're cool. Just release me. Just let me go. I'd fuck off somewhere like Impact or whatever. But I'd be like, nah, I don't want to go to main roster. I'd probably get a lot of fights because I'd call people dicks. <laughs> but it's just... It's, it's mental how much NXT's changed since it became popular. But it was kind of... It's, it's, as Sarah says, when it wasn't really no well known, but when it was a bit more, if you knew who these guys were in the end of the circuit, you'd watch it. There's a lot of guys who are like, I only know Randy Orton, I only know Jeff Hardy, but we were like, oh, I know who Finn Balor is, I know who Neville is, I know, and you watch them, that was better, but then started getting more popular, and you're like, ah, oh, what the fuck has happened? And you're like, the tag, the tag division suffering because of it. Mm-hmm. Sorry for the yeah. rant there. I had to get off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you're perfectly reasonable, you know, and uh, Dave, you're a man who, you know, we talk, you've talked about Undisputed Era before, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your thoughts on the whole tag team debate between these two companies? It's, uh, I think it's clear that AEW's tag division is a lot more stacked because, I mean, if you just look at the, the Casino Tag Team Battle Royal from a few months ago, you would see you could get 15 tag teams out of just one match and it was it was a thing of beauty to watch just seeing the the diversity and the amount of talent that that show has to offer even going as far back as you know the first uh tag team championship tournament you know you could see all the teams that were on offer you know you had young bucks lucha brothers private party even at one point i think you know those guys have been heavily wasted um in recent months as far as i'm concerned it's because that hardest gimmick sucks <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah but Oh, it's so bad. 
But around that time, you know, we were talking about NXT's tag teams, you know, you had like Undisputed Era, AOP, and you know, that's sort of what inspired, inspired the the initial Dusty Cup. Now I get, you know, most of those tag teams were sort of just makeshift teams put together for that particular purpose. But as the sort of years went by, you actually had a lot of legitimate tag teams that could potentially win. Obviously, Undisputed Era being one of them, you had DIY, you had the Forgotten Sons, you had who, I mean, anybody remember them? Uh, never mind. <laughs> the Forgotten Sons. I keep forgetting other names. Only well, only Jack. Remember, only Jackson Rikers left on Raw now. The other two have just gone. Ah, well, he was the problematic one as well. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, but um, going off topic a bit here, the the tag division never. has taken a bit. On NXT in particular, the tag team division has taken a bit of a dip, but I don't think that's through any fault of their own. I think they've had to sort of reinvent because of the pandemic, etc. But just looking at TakeOver Stand and Deliver, they had an outstanding triple threat tag team match with MSK, Grizzle Jung Vets, and Legado Del Fantasma. Arguably match of the night on, I think it was match on night one, I think it was. But either way, it, it goes to show that the tag team division is alive and well, even with, you know, the sort of undercard tag teams such as Drake and Demo uh, and, and Imperium as well. And you see those two are interacting because of uh, Wolf and Demo's links to Sanity. Like, that's going somewhere that isn't that doesn't revolve around the titles. And then you've got the old veterans like Champa and Thatcher, you know, that, who are there just to... Um, you know, just to provide a sort of outside factor to it. So it's not like NXT's in a bit of a dip, but AEW just has more to offer in terms of its tag teams. Yeah, I love it. I do love NXT. This is, this is, this is, this is a great idea. Don't tell anybody. Imagine putting Dexter Loomis with a fiend. How fucking hilarious would that be? <laughs> it's like, how fucked up would oh, that be? Oh, that's, that's like the most random tag team I think I've ever seen. No, they're both nuts. They both like leather gloves. They like abducting people. How funny would that be? <laughs> I mean, it, do you remember no, when it, Dexter it, it, Loomis? It, it, do you remember when Dexter Loomis was originally meant to be teaming with Velveteen Dream? Yeah, me neither. Cricket. Map someone yourself and imagine that. <laughs> I mean, they both have. Uh, they both take the weird stuff to different levels. I mean. Strat mentioned Dexter Lewis. That is creepy as end at times, but you kind of like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. You know, uh, AW had uh, Brandy Rhodes' creepy stable, the oh, Nightmare Collective. Oh. Jesus wept. That's that, uh, had, that had potential. All right. No, I didn't. No, Sarah, <laughs> Sarah, I know you're a fan of the Nightmare. The Nightmare I'm a fan of crazy was, stuff. The Nightmare Collective was dead on arrival. It was awful. I mean, I, I use the Nightmare Collective now because at the time I was like, right, the things I really hate, despise about this company are them and the Dark Order. But the Dark Order are amazing now because they're, they're, they're funny, they're comic. Uh, I was I was part of the Dark Order know. before it was even cool, so did you start, Stephen? I, I, I guess I used to see me watching when the debut first started. I did not like Evo Uno and I thought Stu Grayson was like an anorexic god of war. Even though could do no wrong. <laughs> Look at Slow Grayson, he looks like an Anaxi God of War, and I was like, Evil Uno, he's lost a shit ton of weight, the guy now. And he, oh, I geez. watched them on interviews, and the two of them are fucking hilarious. <laughs> the one that was I love the ring, he says, Oh, yes, who, who do you look like? And Stu Grayson's like that. Ryan Reynolds, um, Hugh Jackman, anybody with good hair, I kind of look like. And Evil Uno, they're like, Who do you look like? He says, Under the mask, I look like Ryan Gosling for Drive. I was like, what? <laughs> Just shit like that. Evil Uno can do no wrong. 
He could be uh, more wrong. At least he's not hanging about with the creepers anymore. The creepers were just that made a human Yeah, yeah, that that. <laughs> that was weird. That never went well. I'm trying to think of a similarly bad thing in NXT because they ones are kind of just guff. Like teams uh, or like t- shit gimmicks. Shit gimmicks. See, I don't think uh, it's been a while, since, but I can't really recall any really bad NXT gimmicks because they haven't had any awful ones. Not like not that I'm aware of. I've got one, and you're going to hate me for this. Cameron Grimes. <gasps> what? Wait, no, 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 no. Hear me, hear me. Why? Why does he look like a homeless person being rich? Why does he look like a rich? Oh, is current gimmick I can't stand, but with all fairness. His gimmick before he became the million <gasps> dollar or the thousand dollar man was basically Ooh. the same gimmick he had in TNA, and I was just like, you know what? It's the exact same. I love you. No, but it's like you see him, you go, "Are you can afford a Lamborghini?" Because you've not had a shower in like ten years. <laughs> That's how you can afford your Lamborghini. You don't pay your water bill. I mean, how, is that how he's rich? He didn't buy soap. No, he I invested mean, in Bitcoin. Apparently, COVID scared the catching him. <laughs> I mean, AW's got loads of. I think AW's got so many really good ones that you kind of forget the bad ones at times. I mean, mm-hmm. as I say, a, a lot of AW gimmicks are like so out there that you're just like, I kind of have to love it. Like there is just like, something uh, you're just like, what? Yeah, there's a uh, Chris Statlander is a, a good exception. I mean, and an alien from the Andromeda Galaxy. Don't you dare, Stephen! I know exactly what you're going to say because you bashed her before she went off an injury. So. Then you start. Leave my alien alone. No, then you're in his jokes, no. No. Oh, <laughs> follow that. Well, see, like the fact that she's now joined up with best friends because obviously she is friends with Orange Cassidy and their matches before AEW even existed was the best ever. But see their current new t-shirt I've got out on the way. It is like ET. So we've got the best friends at the back of the bike, Orange Cassidy in the middle, and Chris Statlander has got a little blanket in the basket. I've seen that actually, yeah. Oh, can I just say as well? Uh, this week, happy birthday, Orange Cassidy. That's a gimmick it shouldn't work. He's 47. 37. Who said 47 there? Like, what? Like that. Like, holy fuck. <laughs> Is that how he's no age? He doesn't move. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned Matt Hardy's gimmick. I mean, Matt Hardy needs to retire, sadly, for him. He's, been, he's been great in his day, but he's just. His current gimmick could have been really good. It's kicking but... a dead horse at this stage. It was it was it was good when they first started out with Private Party and they had like the whole thing with Hangman. Like it had a purpose. But then when they had Butcher and Blade randomly join them because Eddie Kingston decided that he was gonna be pals with John Moxley again. Like that made no sense. And the fact that Ali is all of a sudden wrestling again after taking at least a year to two years off. Yeah, that Butcher and Blade. Good guys. <laughs> we talked about tag teams, we forgot did we even mention Butcher and Blade? No, no, but they actually. could be so good. They could be so good. They There's potential there, so definitely. They came in amazingly hot, and I'm like, they came in and wrecked Cody, and I'm like, these guys are going to do well, and then kind of seeing his H2, they just kind of went down and down, and you're like, then they came out with the white pirate gear, whatever the fuck that was. You look the painter decorators, why? <laughs> fuck knows, but who do it. But see the thing with AEW, see we're talking about bad gimmicks. See if they came out with a bad gimmick, they just drop it. Like you know what is out, a bad gimmick? Aye, but the cute Brandy came out with the Nightmare Collective, was trying to be cheeky on commentary, came across an arsehole, and they just dropped the gimmick. Unlike WWE, who fucking like Lashley and Lana. They oh just, God! Gone with it, and they let 
let this die, just call it a day, like, put it on. Because every time they, every time they two done a promo, somebody put a Braziers or a fucking Pornhub logo at the bottom. <laughs> every single <laughs> promo. I'm like, this is what people are doing with us. I'm like, please don't let her be in the hurt business, because imagine her and Cedric Alexander and Jill Benjamin. It'll just be straight on Pornhub. <laughs> well, it's a it's a good thing that those two broke up as well, so that, that it doesn't have to happen. You're okay, Strack. Okay. WWE lad, you're going to like this. So we don't like it. Well, WWE did say they wanted to be like a little bit more risque and raunchier. Oh. I grew up in the Adria. You're more going to get riskier and raunchier than Val Venus having his dick cut off. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> same. People ripping Vince's arse or Rikishi shove his arse in your face or Eddie Graham beating up China or the fuck else happened. I took a lot of impact damage for you. <laughs> the. The. Try- Undertaker trying to embalm Stone Cold or something? Ah, yes, he did that. Stable, that. S- Sable came out in a bikini, which was two handprints on her tits. <laughs> Beat that. Go for it. I mean, you can't. You're not gonna get, you know, Me young, anybody. Getting... Nobody's gonna be saying that. You're a young hand. Oh. fucking a dead body. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can continue. Anyway, can... <laughs> back, back to the topic. Off. Back to the topic at hand, we were talking, we were talking really bad gimmicks. I mean, if we talk about really bad gimmicks, uh, Sting goes to AEW because he's not getting treated right, but yet he goes to he goes there and does the same thing every single week. <laughs> hmm. He gets interviewed by Tony Schiavone every single week. It's just because it's like they've missed so much time together. It only has to be Tony. I. I've been listening to him in a year and a half because of this pandemic. You won't let me go. I want every single thing with this, you know. Well, with all fairness, <laughs> you and Dave somehow got an invite to, like, well, no, Grant and Dave got an invite to yours and none of the rest of us did. I always stay up the road. You can come anytime. <laughs> uh, guess who's going to wake up with me in your room at 3 o'clock in the morning? I mean, no. You said anytime. Okay. You said anytime. He did, he did actually, yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, um, yeah! Stephen, please take control of this again because we are lunatics. Pay-per-views. Let's talk about pay-per-views. No, me bringing you this won't be on pay-per-view. Too many witnesses. Sarah, please, uh, they don't have... Uh, both these co- both these brands don't have a lot of pay-per-views. Oh, it's is, so is that, good, is, that a, is that a good thing? It's so refreshing. Like, yeah, I know that WWE have their big four and everything, but then they've got like a pay per view at the end, uh, either to the end or middle of every month. Whereas a pay per view now for NXT, even though it did used to be a guaranteed takeover before each big show, we don't actually know when we're guaranteed to get one now because we got one on Valentine's Day. We got one just like the Tuesday. It was, ah, it was the Tuesday before Mania we got one, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tuesday, so, the Wednesday, uh, Tuesday the Wednesday. Like a midweek, like a midweek, like a midweek two-day pay-per-view. Which, see that? That's really refreshing. AEW doing, four, like literally about four big shows, maybe five a year. But it's all nicely spaced out, and you've got like room on the car to build up. And then they have like special shows, like Blood and Guts is finally happening, and like I'm, I'm more glad that it's happening with two stables that are actually half decent instead of trying to pit the the nightmare family whatever the fuck that is now 
Okay, it's the inner circle. Like, if you think of it now, oh. you're like, I'm glad they waited for it. At least it's not the Nightmare Family versus the Nightmare Factory. Oh, oh my geez. god, no. It's just no. the factory. Just the factory. Ah, it's QT um, Marshall, don't give a fake. <laughs> exactly. But it's stuff like that. Like, it makes you want to care. Because it's like, yeah, this big pay-per-view, yeah. It's got like the buy-in show that's free to usually watch. I don't know if ITV are still doing them, doing it for free or anything. But then, like, you can pay so much for it on Fight or pay so much via ITV box office. If they're still doing it, PlayStation and it, or, or, or on PlayStation, it feels more important. Like, you don't see UFT doing a big fight every single month of the year. They've got like a big thing that they like to build everything towards. And that's what I like with NXT and AEW is the fact that it doesn't, you don't feel burned out when watching it. It's not difficult to keep up with. Like they'll run, they'll do like a great rundown of like the feuds and how they got there, like in the in the packages, like the, the video packages before the pay per views for each match. You you feel caught up. You're like, right, I know why this is happening. I'm invested in this story. It's not just. Oh shit, we don't have a women's match. Fuck, 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 fuck. You and you, off you go. Like, Which they do. <laughs> like, this is what they're doing like with Britt Baker at the moment, is that she's been pushing to be the face of the women's division for over a year now, like since she properly turned heel and brought in her dentist gimmick. That see her, her working her way up the rankings, like that, putting into the story and like the small... She doesn't even need to do matches every week. I mean, this is her first match on Dynamite in about four or five weeks. So, it, it, it like, it makes you want to actually invest in this woman's storyline because, not just because she is part of my draft team, but I do honestly believe that she will be the next AEW Women's World Champion because you, it, it just needs a bit of a change, but at least there's a storyline that she's working her way up the rankings, she's going to prove to everybody to do this and she's going to prove everybody wrong. Like, they do that in NXT, it's like this, like, the whole thing with, like, say, Grizzle Jung veterans and Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher having a replay from the Dusty Classic in order to prove their number one contendership to MSK. It's stuff like that. It makes you invested. Whereas, when it comes to WWE, pay-per-view every month, they're just like, right, okay, we have four weeks to build this up. Like, I said this on Past Central, that every single time of Backlash, a single pay-per-view after WrestleMania is essentially just a replay of WrestleMania. It's just rematches. Because it's the same when they used, to, they used to go right on tour in the UK, right after WrestleMania, and it was always called the WrestleMania Revenge Tour because mm. it's basically just a replay and when they especially because they do pay-per-view like gimmick pay-per-views now that they f it, it's extremely forced like you're like right mm -hmm. what's going to be the tables match what's going to be the street fight what's going to be like this that the next thing like the last man standing what's going to be the hell in a cell match like at least with AEW and NXT it could be anything like they don't censor it around a specific gimmick and that's what's other, really refreshing other than war games you know that's the only I, one next yeah, really. war, war games, games is, is, I, I, but war, war games is the exception games, yeah but, uh, this... you say about Britt Baker you know I, I get the Britt Baker thing what I don't get is she lost the match but yet Thunder Rose was on Dark Elevation and Dark doing absolutely nothing on Dynamite but hey well, that's, that's, that's an aside uh, but Dave, Sarah mentioned the kind of big feel of these type of pay-per-views, you had to lead into them, and I think back in the, or well, even 
going before WrestleMania, the go home show for these pay per views is always should be a massive thing in the nineties and the eighties and WWE, WCW as well. That time it was a big thing, and with so much pay per views on the main roster, they don't get that as much anymore. But with these two, as Sarah said, you kind of get that. I mean, we talk was it? I can't mean the pay per view. Was it? Was it Full Gear? The one last year before the pandemic. Yeah, Full Gear. Aye, and uh, it was the whole build towards the Cody MJF match. I think it was on the Go Home Show. He had that match with Wardlow, mm-hmm. and I said this at the time: it's the best pre-pay-per-view stretch to a match that I've seen in God knows how long. The match sucks. I will hope I will say that forever. Cody MJF is an absolute terrible match, and no wonder they cut the feud after that. But to have. By having so less pay-per-views, it makes you, you kind of lead to that stretch, and your big final show, which make, which should be the one to sell the pay-per-view, sells the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. That's the job. Yeah. So, and that's what NXT and AEW both do so well. Like you know, as Sarah said, they're big events. You know, their takeovers and their you know whether it's double or nothing, all out, full gear, revolution, whatever you know we can collectively call them. It's um, they have months and months of time to build you know, towards these massive events. But what allows them, you know, in hindsight, is a bit of breathing room to sort of have a sort of sort of halfway feud to sort of get to that point and build the storyline over time. Because take next week's NXT, for example, you've got Raquel Gonzalez in a sort of mini feud with Mercedes Martinez, you know, a very solid title defense for her first uh, sort of major championship defense. But who's to say, you know, that come the next takeover, she may end up facing her pal Dakota Kai in some aspect because you know you can sort of see these interactions between the two of them you think oh this has the potential to go somewhere so that so it lingers in the back of your mind but let's drag it out let's tell a story behind it and then when the takeover comes around you know that's it boom it's in the right spot and it doesn't drag and it doesn't burn out and yeah and the the go home show is obviously got to be the the line in the sand or sort of stamp to say this is where the battle lines are drawn this is the feud that's going to cause tension and you know it helps sort of plug any missing gaps for for pay-per-views and that's something nxt i think's pretty good at you know if they've got a stat card with sort of three or four high profile matches and they need one more just to sort of complete out the card like they could do that on the go home show if they wanted to say like and i think the, the most recent example i've got is kushida and pete dunn they eliminated each other in that battle royal for the gauntlet eliminator and then almost immediately they were announced they were going to face each other i mean that had no prior feud or build towards it but it's two international stars that are highly respected the world over and they're going at it in an nxt ring that sells on its own so it's obviously trying to find that balance between like a feud that's built up for quite a while and something you could instantaneously book in an instant and people will be happy to see it yeah uh Strack, one thing I think is different between NXT and AEW in terms of these pay-per-views is I feel like with AEW, they build you towards the pay-per-views, I say, with that kind of stretch, and that's what makes you watch it. Well, as with NXT, though, I kind of feel like because of the past reputations of takeovers, I could not watch an NXT weekly show in about four weeks, four to five weeks, but I'll still tune into the takeover because everything else is good. Do you think that's a valid argument to make in terms of the two? See, I think, right, this is what the, the, I think kind of makes it better at being less is mayor. Every week, every month, you know, is guaranteed a pay-per-view with WWE. And how many times do we do the sweeps and we pretty much guess what's going to happen? 
Like Hockney and Scott are mostly almost bang on the money every single time, right? Because you know he only won that title a month ago. He's not going to drop it. He only she only got that title of two weeks ago. She's not going to drop it. Whereas NXT having a, a fast-paced pay-per-view and AEW having a fast-paced pay-per-view, there's we, we me and Sarah and Quacky we used to talk about them on the shows at the time. Say, who do you think is going to walk out with the before the North American title became became a thing? The NXT the tag titles and you're like ah. Uh, he he could take it. He because he's had it for four months now. He could drop this, or he could hold it and have it for another four months. You don't know. Same way AEW, obviously the new Kenny Omega's dropping dick. He's just gonna <laughs> collecting stuff now. I think he's gonna go to like fucking top man and just start beating people up for their belts. But <laughs> there's a possibility when you go, he could drop this because he's had it for so long WWE now don't back when I say I, I, I say it was the, the perfect age yet 1999 I think it was was it 11 times the WWE title changed hands mm, I think that's about right yeah aye in like 2000 or 2001 aye 2000 or two, I think it was 2000 it changed like 9 or 11 times it was mm. like on a raw then a pay per view then and, and it happened so much and you're like ah, that could, could happen then but no. WWE like that, it's not going to happen. It's not the biggest shock we've had since this podcast. I think was probably AJ winning the after gender in Manchester. Nobody yeah, fucking seen that coming. But that is what a massive shock is. But yeah, yeah. The WWE every year goes, he's not going to drop that. He ain't going to drop that. He's not going to nah. He'll still keep that. But yet when you watch AEW or NXT, somebody wins it. Like, don't speak to there. Drop the tag titles to the Warriors. You're like, whoa the fuck just happened there and then you've got like, the North American title changing which was really good you had you've got a TNT title which the new I think they need to take off of Darby Allen and they need to start kind of passing that about wouldn't they mind Scorpio Sky wouldn't they really mind Miro Jungle Boy Ray Phoenix there's a list of guys I'm like, I wouldn't actually be raging I actually wanted John Silver to take it for a while hell yeah Mm-hmm. Imagine, imagine John Silver coming out with the being the elite title and the TNT title. That'd be piss funny. But <laughs> I think when that's what helps it being back. spaced apart. Is it does give you a chance of anything could happen. He could drop this. Or he, 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 they could become the new champion. And it gives, I think, the guys in all on the shows watching week in, week out. He'd work well with him. Because as Sarah says, you've only got four weeks to build a feud. You start seeing the guys working together for two weeks and you're like, ah, shit. They don't work, they don't work together. But we're too late, we can't call it. So we yeah. just need to put them on the show. The match is going to be shit. But there's nothing we can do about it. We'll just need to wait till after the show. Whereas if you've got three months between a pay-per-view, you can put two guys together and go, oh, they're not working. They're not working. Pull them apart. We'll try something else. And then come to the pay-per-view, you've got that. Oh, he works really well with him. I don't think he'd work well with him. Perfect example, EC3 and Velveteen Dream. Two of them are great on the mic. Their match was utterly pish. Mm. But yet, Alistair Black versus Velveteen Dream was fucking tremendous. So, it, it does give Booker's chances to see oh, he'd work well with him. I, well, as you said, with Cody and MJF, their styles are too similar. Mm-hmm. That's why it didn't work. But if you had Cody against Kenny, that would, I think that'd be, that'd be class. 
I don't think Cody against Nick Aldis would work. I'm going to say that the new because people are like, oh, and they say they did have a good match, but I, I don't see how it would be a good match because they're too similar. But that gives the guys the chance to go, right, uh, fuck it, that ain't working, pick somebody else. Oh, that's doing well. Go with that. Right. Now, this is an AEW versus NXT show, after all. So, to round off the show, I'm going to end up with a surprise, bit of fun element for you guys. I'm going to okay. go round you all a few times. I'm going to give you an AEW wrestler and an NXT wrestler. And I want you to tell me, just quickly, no thoughts, no big thoughts, which one of the two is going to be a bigger star in five years' time? Oh. Ooh, I, I like this. I'm good at this. Oh. Dave, I'm actually going to start with you. Okay. Nyla Rose or Shotzi Blackheart? Shotzi Blackheart. Nice be easy one for you there, Dave. Yeah, that was easy. <laughs> Sarah, Ethan Page or Isaiah Swerve Scott? Off the top of my head, I would probably... Nah, you know what? Ethan Page. Ethan Page, absolutely. Interesting. Okay. Strack, best friends or the grizzled young veterans? Best friends. Ooh. Interesting. Dave? Because I, I, just, I know it's no long points, but I don't think in general, grizzled young veterans because I couldn't the main roster. I don't think they would, so I think best friends have got a better chance. <laughs> No, oh, interesting. That's definitely one I'd put in there. Uh, Dave, oh, I'm trying to think of a really hard one for you. <laughs> yeah, he got an easy one last time. All right, Dave, I've got Steven, one. Hurry up. Tay Conte or Dakota Kai? Tay Conte. Sarah. Yeah. MGF or Adam Cole? Baby. MGF. What? Easy. Oh, Easy. In five years' time, MGF. Well, he's got you. That's because he's got youth on his side. That's why. Exactly. And if he's that good already, how imagine how good he's going to be in five years. Uh, and he's got Jericho as a teacher. Exactly. Look at Sammy Guevara. And Tully Blanchard. Okay. Strack. Carrying Cross or Wardlow? I don't see the appeal of Carrying Cross. I see Wardlow. I see him snapping and leather the living piss out of MJF. <laughs> Wardlow is a good. He is a future champion with all fairness. Yeah, we, 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 do beef up, we, we do beef up Wardlow on this show a fair bit. Oh yeah, we, we stand him. I don't know if he's a champion, but I, I think he, he's definitely got the potential to be a hitter. Oh, that's a good one. For Dave. Fun. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Oh, it's, back to, it's back to me now, yeah? Yeah. Brian Cage or Bronson Reed? Easy. Oh. Bronson Reed. Bronson <sighs> Why can you talk for shit? Oh, honestly, that was a <laughs> that was a tough one. Oh, I've got, I've got a tough one for Sarah. Ooh. Brett Baker or Io Shirai? Oh. <laughs> I mean, <sighs> see what you mean, bigger star? Because Io is already a really big star, and Brett has Who a lot be of a potential. Who's going to be bigger? Who's going to be bigger than five years? I would hope to say Brett Viper, but probably Io Shirai. I would like to say Brett. Like, if she keeps going the way she's going, she will be a megastar. She's definitely come on since, you know, her initial debut. Right, okay. That's an interesting one. We should have just Uh, done this for the entire podcast. (laughs) I know. I'm not going to lie. I thought 
I thought about it ten minutes. I thought about it ten minutes ago. I was going to see how long. <laughs> okay, Strack. I'm, I'm, okay, one of my heat. I'm dreading you. Don't ask me this. <laughs> don't tell him. Don't tell him. Don't tell him. He'll figure it out. I know he'll figure it out. Raquel Gonzalez or Hikara Shida? Shida. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Dave. Mm-hmm. Pete Dunn or Orange Cassidy? Oh. Pete, Pete Dunn. Oh, really? Alright. Yeah. What? Largely I because. He's got age on the size, but. Oh my god. Orange oh, is just inevitable. Sorry. I like this game. Okay, Sarah. <laughs> Ricky Starks or Santos Escobar? Oh, Ricky Starks. Easy. <laughs> Easy. I love Ricky Starks. Absolutely love him. That's nothing to say about like Santos Escobar, but considering that pretty much what he's done doing right now in NXT is basically the same what he did in Impact when he was teaming with what, who is now Joaquin Wild. Interesting. Exactly. Okay, Strack. Uh, I will give you... Miro and Walter. Miro. Did I say that? Walter doesn't like being dealt with today. Example Survivor Series. He get tell, don't chop the fuck out of Seth Rollins. He went put me the first. Miro. Ah, uh, shame. I'm trying to think of a tough one for Dave here. Okay, this could go either way because you could take this either way, right? <coughs> LA Knight or Eddie Kingston? <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, Eddie Kingston. Absolutely. Okay, Sarah. Dexter Loomis or uh, Sean Spears? Dexter Loomis because Sean Spears unfortunately has no chance. <laughs> unfortunately. Poor him. Poor him. Give me a better one next time. Well, I've got one for you while you're looking for me. Yeah. Go for it. Austin Theory, Will Hobbs. Will Hobbs. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this- so. If Ooh, he takes here the beard to a big grin off his face. Yeah, tell you what, Steve, I've got one for you. What? Kushida or Luchasaurus? Kushida. Easy. I feel Who's like I need to win? say one now. Oh, right, okay, I've got one. MSK or Jungle Express? Jurassic Express, sorry. Not Jungle oh, Express. Oh, it's a tough one. I go with MSK, just. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just. All right, Strack, I've got one for you. Anna J or Tegan Knox? Anna J, because Tegan Knox, his knees are falling apart. Mm. Ah, she might be back. Anna no, J has got the most potential. She's in Dark Order as well. Brody Lee saw something in her. Tegan Knox has had, what, three knee surgeries? Who? Mm. Tegan yeah. Knox. Right, I will go round, use one more time. Mm-hmm. Starting with Dave, Tony Storm or Jade Cargill? Tony Storm. Oh, that's bold. <laughs> I'm just going instinct. I'm just going instinctively here. That's all. Do you know who Jake Cargill is? I know who she is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Sarah. Or the hardest of hardest. This might be easy for you. It might be hard for you. But I'm just going to say it. <laughs> okay. Kyle O'Reilly or Darby Allen? Darby Allen. I thought that was going to be easier hard. <laughs> it was I going mean, to be one of the two. It would have been hard, like yeah. No, unfortunately, Kyle O'Reilly. Just as much as I love him. His singles thing, he, he needs Bobby back. He needs to be in a team. It's 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 just it's not for me. Yeah. Whereas Darby doesn't. Whereas Darby doesn't speak that much, but he's you know a bit crazy in the ring. Like his match with Cody, chef kisses. Kyle needs to go fishing. He needs to get his Bobby fish back. He needs to get his Bobby back. 
Okay, strike to end it, I'm just going to throw you a left winger. That's got nothing to do with NXT. Oh. If you, who's going to be a bigger star in five, in five years' time? QT Marshall, Anthony Agogo, the, the big guy with the beard, or Arn Solo? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who the fuck they are. Anthony Agogo is going to be the biggest star. They oh. are the factory. Who's got big guy with oh, the beard? Oh, is this Bailey's ex-man, QT Marshall, yes. the other guy? Aye. Yeah. Drew the Brad Harder man. What? Johnny Gargano or Pentagon? Oh. That's what I was saying. Just... Myself, you'd ask me because I'm not going to answer for that. Well, can you give us an answer? <laughs> I can't. I, 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 I can't pick between the two because I'm too much. I mean, you can ask Johnny Gargano or Hangman Adam Page. Hangman. Definitely Hangman. Hangman for me. There was some that I thought, yeah, it's easy. I tried to find left wing ones and then I couldn't find <laughs> well, That's when you ask, like, Dakota Kai or Red Velvet. <laughs> ah, yeah. yeah, I won! Dakota uh, Kai. <sighs> Wait, what? I don't know. Oh, sorry, what? I didn't quite Andy hear Hart. you. Andy Hartwell or Chris Statlander? Chris Statlander! Oh, Aye, Statlander. One last, I'll ask you one last one. Yeah, this is fun. This is for all of us. One last one for the, one, one last one. Dave, Cody or Finn Balor? Cody. Ugh. Oh, I feel bad for saying that now. <laughs> you feel dirty now, don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh no, I'm going to have to go have a shower in my bed. Dave's going to have to like go for like a bleach shower but like, I feel dirty because of me. I betrayed, I betrayed the prince. Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> Leon Ruff or Marco Stunt? Marco Stunt, definitely. Oh my Marco god. Marco is amazing. He has got put them together to make a what, normal sized human being. <laughs> he's got that syndrome. He is amazing. Like any single time someone tries to pick a fight, he's right on and going, "Let me at them, let me at them." You can't even fault the boy. Finally, for Strack, Michael Nakazawa or Kona Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. One's injured. Hold on, Michael Nakazawa. Who's the other one? Kona Reeves. <laughs> That's not fair. Oh, is that the blonde boy? Yeah, the Hawaiian <laughs> fella. Uh, I'd probably say that corner is boy. Michael Nakazawa for the win! You should have said Brandon Cutler. Brandon Cutler can be a star. He actually could if you really wanted to be. Oh, <laughs> I've been watching the play Among Us way too much. See when you ask the baller one, I'm like, ah. You know who is actually a star? Let me just say this. Alex Abrahentis, right? The guy oh, that's the, the translating to Penta. Ah, the guy who translates for Penta, he's a star. He is a but, star. Anyway, I thought that was a nice, fun way to round off this AEW versus NXT show. Uh, plenty of good discussion, plenty of random discussion, and some quick fire to end the show. What else can you ask for <laughs> on a podcast? You know, but. Thank God, if you we back conversation, we back discussion, then rapid fire. <laughs> I mean, we should just find out like how many people actually agree with us. Yes, if you agree or disagree with any of these opinions stated in the quickfire or just in the podcast in general, please don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, come on, I want controversy. No, I do, do get in touch with us on our social medias with any feedback on the show is good, bad, and different. You know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Suplex Retweet. We've got so much great content. You know, we've got this feature show on a Tuesday Central, on a Thursday, Saturday Draft Live, and a Saturday. 
you know, or if it wasn't, then it would just not be called Saturday Draft Live. Uh, and loads of stuff as well on the YouTube channel all the time. Uh, next week here on the feature show, we've actually got a show where we'll be going through the history of the best of the Super Juniors tournament. Yes! Which Woo. should be pretty fun. I need to brush up on my history for that particular show. I get to talk uh, about it Robert! Oh, Jesus, Jesus God. Uh, lots of great I'll shows. Darryl. I'll bring Daryl. We have lots of great shows coming up over the next couple of months. We've got an AJ Styles show. We've got the best worst TNA champions. We've got a show on Mick Foley. Uh, and to make Sarah happy, we have a show coming up in a couple of months on Christian. So, <laughs> so I much know stuff. he's a recognition he deserves. <laughs> so much stuff coming up over the next couple of months. So please hit the big subscribe button. Uh, to get all that content directly anytime it drops. For myself, Stephen Wilson, I'd like to thank my panel who have been very, very good fun on this particular <laughs> evening today. Uh, to Dave, thank you very much. Thanking you. Uh, to Sarah, thank you. <laughs> it's been very fun. And to Strack, thank you. Are you wearing a suit jacket? Me? <laughs> oh, well, good. Did... <laughs> no, I'm wearing a hoodie. Like I'm, wearing... <laughs> I'm wearing a hoodie with no hood. <laughs> Right, I thought you were in a suit jacket. I was going to drive you a bit and slap you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we're tr- I thought we're trousers in a year and a half. Too much information. Aye, remember you lived fifteen feet at school. Fucking remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing jeans. I've just not worn trousers. We'll see you next time. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.